welcome to the My Family Coach podcast. I'm Claire and in each episode you'll find me interviewing a guest expert to find out more about the tricky world of child behaviour, all in handy 15 minute-ish bite-sized chunks. Then I'll send you away with three handy practical tips that you can use at home. And if this episode leaves you wanting more, you can watch, listen and read from our wide range of resources while you're on the go on the My Family Coach website. This week it is episode two, series two. I don't know why I'm saying that so clearly. I think it's because I almost forgot. Um, Debs is chatting to Lucy Flower. Uh, Lucy has been teaching for over 11 years. She went from NQT to head of year to leading on transition uh, to leading on attendance. And she moved into being an assistant head and then more recently has become a classroom teacher again after a tough return uh, from maternity leave. We're really privileged to have Lucy's knowledge and experience on the podcast. And she's chatting to Debs about attendance. Whilst I was editing the podcast of this episode... Uh, some of Lucy's points are absolutely brilliant and the statistics that she rolls out are, are absolutely fascinating and I thought um, Debs's question about the link between attendance and behaviour and Lucy's answer is, is really really interesting listening so I know that you listening at, at home um, or at school will will definitely find those, those bits really fruitful um, and informative. Um, I just wanted to remind you that subscribing to the podcast really helps us to get more followers you can subscribe on apple cast spotify all the usual platforms and if you do have a moment if you could review the podcast particularly on apple cast it really helps it to get more uh, listenership and, and we'd really really appreciate that obviously five stars would be our preference i'll stop uh, yabbiting on and i'll leave you with the interview Okay, good morning. Welcome to Lucy Flower, who is joining us today on Behaviour Bites. Lucy works in a secondary school in um, Yorkshire and has a particular interest in attendance. She's also a regular contributor to Twitter and a blog writer on education. Um, It's really good to have you with us here this morning. Um, So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So let's start with our usual question on what are you reading at the moment? I'm rereading, I think now for the third time, actually, um, Boys Don't Try by Matt Pinkett and Mark Rogers. I, um, during lockdown, I listened to their fantastic podcast where they discussed these chapters further and, and brought sort of new perspectives to, to what they'd written. And I just think it's, it's just a great way to broaden this really important discussion at the moment and promote further insights, really, into our inherent biases on gender and disadvantage um, and... And for, for that reason, I really enjoyed your podcast episode, um, Devs, on stereotypes um, over lockdown as well, for, for a similar reason in that it really challenged the, the way I'd thought and the way I'd gone about um, dealing and approaching those issues before. Mm, it's a really important topic, isn't it? And uh, uh, something that's very, uh, really good that it sits in the sort of educational conversation at the moment about unconscious mm. bias and stereotypes and all of those things and really uh, worth uh, anyone who's listening if, if they're interested to go and find out more and and have a listen there's lot there's lots of stuff out there so thank you um so um give us some context then to your setting currently and um you know how does your um uh, the work that you're you're doing currently and your and tell us a little bit about your interest in terms of specifically attendance 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been teaching for 11 years now. Um, so in my first school, I went from NQT um, to a head of year seven, where I led on transition as well. I started to look into attendance while I was there um, because I became interested in why attendance could drop from primary school into secondary school. Um, and, and so I, I then moved schools and had the opportunity to um, progress into SLT as, as an assistant head overseeing pastoral so behaviour attendance um, and then more recently about a year ago I stepped back down um, from leadership temporarily um, to to go back to being a classroom teacher just following a tough return from maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose that attendance is a bit of an obsession of mine I think it's it's one of the main barriers um, to to young people and students in our schools having fantastic outcomes um, and and by outcomes I don't just mean in terms of their exam results um, I mean in terms of all the other aspects that that we seek to to provide and empower them with with, with education in order to to have fulfilling and have successful lives mm-hmm. um, that there are lots of links I know between absence and attainment um the march 2016 dfe document is 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 the one that's widely cited um and and i think it's it's interesting to to look more into whether it, it is wholly the absence that causes lower attainment at, at key um outcomes points such as key stage two and key stage four but also to look at the other things behind that and the other ways in which we as pastoral colleagues can support students and their families um, to 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 get the best outcomes possible for them. Mm. And I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about you know yes, you, you were talking about barriers, and maybe one of the things we've been talking about in our in some of our other podcasts has been about relationships and building those positive relationships, mm. and and actually that's probably quite critical isn't it in terms of of getting students in and trust and you know would you agree with that uh, definitely i think i think honestly it's the sole most important thing that we can do with with our young people in schools um honestly if a child has a positive experience at school and has positive relationships with adults they trust and by that i don't just mean getting their own way I don't just mean um you know getting rewarded every time they sort of do one tiny thing right I mean in relationships that have real clear boundaries and real consistency in the consequences and in in the routine and in the tone of that relationship Mm. Um, but I think here it's important to think as well about our relationships maybe with their families too um particularly in the schools that I, I've worked in, I've actually sought out to work in these types of schools. You know, we we have students coming in who are potentially a second or third generation of school refusers. And um, due to all sorts of different reasons and due to the negative experiences from their families at, when they were at school as well. And so I think that um, our responsibility as educators is absolutely to build those really positive relationships with students. Mm. But maybe now we also need to look a bit deeper and maybe now we also need to look at where our responsibility lies in engaging with their parents and families as well. Can you give us a, 
specific example of where uh, work that you've done with a family has really worked? Absolutely. Um, I mean, what what I hadn't realised um, very naively until until I had a mental health issue myself with my postnatal depression um, was that actually, you know, anxiety is a very is a very real and very debilitating condition. And what I think I hadn't, and completely holding my hands up here and being honest, what I hadn't fully realised was that when I'm asking a parent who tells me they have anxiety to come into school for a meeting about their child's behaviour or about their child's attendance, what I hadn't realised was the huge number of barriers that throws up for that parent. And so I think one piece of work that I did that, that, that I think was, was particularly successful was in, was in making that realisation and actually going as far as to, to say to that parent who'd never been in the school building before, look, this is, this is what's going to happen when you come in. You'll come up to the main doors at reception and there'll be a button that you ring and then you wait and then somebody will tell you to come in and um, you need to bring a buggy with you. I don't want you to get worried about that. That's fine. I understand you have little children. Please bring them in. That's not a problem. And just going through those steps and um, just talking them through how that would look, who would be meeting them, what would happen in the actual meeting, the layout of the room, you know, what um, what we could provide for the younger children to help keep them entertained. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, yes, absolutely, if one of them needs cuddle or needs to cry or needs to go to the toilet, that's fine. We can accommodate that. And um, just going through those those steps that just seem really obvious, I think, to to um, to people who who haven't suffered from from anxiety, I think just going through those steps made it made them feel a lot calmer and a lot more positive about coming into coming into the building and realizing that there is that level of support and that actually those things needn't be a barrier to coming in. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting, and I think um, some sort of um, support services things do like mini videos don't they and visualizations mm. and you know this is this is the door and this is the bell and I think that that can really help can't it and and maybe you know I mean of course there's another layer of anxiety we have now because of the pandemic um so there's you know maybe you know what conversations that that happen online perhaps and you know and maybe we've got used to using video to share information as well as to how how it works when we come in it's because we're so you know staff are so um comfortable in their own space it is actually very very difficult and very challenging for some parents to come into that very you know the territory of the teacher and the school mm. and their experiences definitely so um talking about attendance again you know what what would you say um what would be your advice for you know usually it's the tutors who are on the front line of attendance what mm. would you say would be best practice for tutors in terms of monitoring and improving attendance absolutely i mean i think the main thing here is to build as we said a relationship with the students so that um you know them and you you kind of can see start to get to know you know if they mention something like oh my auntie's ill at the moment or oh my grandma's ill and she's living with us you might start to know a little bit more and might start to be able to piece together reasons why they are absent at certain times or for certain periods of time um and I think having then the connections and the communication with other people in the school there is important so for example you might have noticed that 
your tutee was a little bit down the day before, then they might not be in the next day. And um, you can have that conversation then with, with the rest of the pastoral team or attendance officers about, you know, look, um, I'm, I've noticed they're not in today and actually this happened yesterday or, oh, actually a couple of days ago they were talking about this at home and I just wonder if there's a connection there. Mm. And it just enables these, um, these colleagues to, to just have a little bit more to go on and have, have a little bit more context from you, the person who sees the child every day, um, to, to enable them to just investigate a little bit further and support that child and that family. It's really about noticing, isn't it? About being alert to cues and um, and also maybe doing that analysis. You talked about certain times of day and it's not just being away for the day, but it's also mm. certain times or there are certain particular, perhaps, you know, if you're doing a bit of um, investigation, you can find, oh, they're quite regularly away on a Wednesday morning. What's happening on a Wednesday mm. morning? And, and looking for those clues in, in everything. Um, what, uh, so what does best practice look like in terms of attendance, would you say, in terms of improving attendance? I think that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Especially at the moment. Um, you know, I, I know um, schools in the past, and myself included, have led initiatives based on 100% attendance, um, have based initiatives on making, you know, making it really obvious who has 100% attendance and who doesn't, and rewarding those that do. Um, and to be honest, I always thought that that was a really um, effective way to go to go about promoting and improving attendance. You know, the figures certainly showed that. But I think perhaps at the moment it's it's difficult to wholeheartedly um, support that kind of measure when when we need to be listening to um, to the importance of health and to the importance of saying. If you have symptoms, you absolutely need to stay at home. You need yeah. to get tested. Um, shifting, isn't it? And the message is saying, actually, no, don't drag yourself in with a cold. Absolutely. Do not. If any doubts at all, please stay at home. Please get tested and, and yeah. please wait. So um, the, with, with everything that's happening at the moment, it made me kind of question, you know, what, where, I'd, where I'd thought previously on, on, these, on these issues. It made me question, you know, actually really quite relentlessly and doggedly pursuing a hundred percent attendance for every child was you know it, it made me wonder had I been promoting things like ableism had I been promoting good fortune and good luck mm. had I maybe missed include inclusion of, of all students and all families and all backgrounds there um, and it's it's something I don't have the clear answer to um, but I, I think that in terms of promoting good attendance I think best practice looks like the school knowing the students and knowing the families and mm -hmm. understanding the context and displaying the ways in which they have supported um, families and students in overcoming any barriers and, mm -hmm. and for me I think that that's now where I would stand in terms of that's that's what best practice looks like. Mm -hmm. And where where's the crossover you know we're, we're on behaviour bites where's the crossover between behaviour and attendance How, what's, what are the links mm -hmm. that you're making? I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, I've had a really good delve into the figures on this because I find it so fascinating. Um, I, I think that what's worth saying is that um, boys are generally have a higher absence rate than girls. And that's in nearly every year group, um, except interestingly for year nine, where girls actually um, eclipse the boys. Mm -hmm. And I suppose there that, you know, attendance figures and absence rates, sorry, do include fixed term exclusions 
fixed term exclusions as we know are far higher in boys mm -hmm. um and you know fixed term exclusions are also higher for disadvantaged and SEM pupils which correlates too with attendance mm -hmm. um and so therefore the highest groups for exclusion actually are matching up with the highest absence groups as well and that includes when we break down by ethnicity so for example um traveler and gypsy roman children and also mixed white and black caribbean children um are, are high in terms of both of those figures i th i think as well that um i once had a light bulb moment where i was speaking to a year nine student who was constantly removed from his lessons and his attendance was was around 80 percent so it was very poor um so he he said to me that you know having missed a few days meant that he never really understood what was going on when he came back into the lessons and so he would open he openly admitted look i, I got bored I got defensive about not knowing what I should have been doing when. And, you know, this poor teacher who, through no fault of their own, just hadn't been able to provide catch up work. I hadn't realised he was coming in that day. Yeah. Um, and then struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. then so he'd struggle to complete the work set. Then he'd choose to behave poorly. And then he'd say, well, inevitably, obviously, then I'll end up again, you know, room removed or I'll end up in isolation or I'll end up excluded. Mm. And it just seemed so obvious to him that this is what was happening. And I couldn't really believe I'd never thought about it in, in mm. that way before. So I, I think the links between attendance and behaviour are really, really close and really interesting to, to delve a deep, bit deeper into. Yeah, definitely. And I think we need another podcast to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for, for your insights. Um, can we finish with your top three tips? Definitely. Um, so I suppose my number one is that attendance is everyone's role and so that whether you are a form tutor, whether you are um, a support member of staff, whether you are a classroom teacher, whether you are a member of the site team, um, you know, attendance is, is, is your role and it's really important that the way in which you build relationships with students and their families is really positive and that you put the time in to do that and to get to know um, these students and, and to get to know what is happening with them at home because if you have a positive um, culture at the school then it's far more likely that students will attend. I suppose my second thing would be to, to really get to the root of the barriers, to really look at what it is that is happening in terms of poor attendance and to investigate further why. Um, it could be something as simple as they don't attend on a day when they have PE because they haven't been able to afford a PE kit, mm -hmm. which is such an easy win and an easy sort for the school. Um, and so I, I think just really trying to get to the root of what the barrier is, is really important. And that comes on the back of having built those positive relationships. Mm -hmm. And finally, I would say that just be really careful and, and make sure you treat each circumstance as individual so um, try to avoid stereotypes or assumptions so for example if you're working with a disadvantaged family try to avoid the stereotype or the assumption that oh it's because they can't afford something and that's why they're not coming to school because mm -hmm. that may not be the case at all and I think just being really careful to to look at the the people themselves and look at the issue. Thank you thank you so much for contributing to this podcast it's been really lovely to talk to you and uh, yeah, good luck with uh, the rest of this academic year. It's going to be, <laughs> continue to be a challenging one, I'm sure. Thanks so much for coming.
Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the My Family Coach podcast. Thank you for joining us as we lift the lid on the challenging world of child behaviour. There's heaps more helpful advice for all your parenting needs on the My Family Coach website. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.